2: Hello ladies and gents, welcome to the podcast. This episode is brought to you by italki. Um, Basically, it's just a very convenient service and you might consider using it. Um, You've got to practice your speaking, you might want to have one-to-one lessons with a teacher, you might just want to find, let's say, someone from the UK who you can talk to on a regular basis and who will help you with your English. So you can do loads and loads of practice, practice of speaking is vital for developing proper fluency you can do that quite conveniently with italki go to teacherluke.co.uk talk check out some of the options you can see some of the teachers check out their profiles see their videos you can get a trial lesson with them just to see what they're like see all the different options and when you're ready you could find the ideal person who's going to help you with your english uh, speaking all right Uh, teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of Luke's English Podcast. How are you doing today? I hope you're doing all right out there in podcast land. In the last episode, we listened to some comedy routines by Scouse comedian John Bishop. And I said that we would take a closer look at the Liverpool accent, break it down, listen to some more samples, and also learn some typical words that you might hear being used in Liverpool. So that is the plan in this episode, all about the Liverpool accent. And there's nowhere in the UK quite like Liverpool. You probably know it as the place that the Beatles came from, or because of the football clubs like Liverpool Football Club and Everton Football Club. Uh, Perhaps some of you have visited it or studied there as students because it is a big university town. I lived in Liverpool for four years as a student. And uh, I remember when I first moved there, my feelings were that um, it was very different. I'm from the Midlands, but I'm also from the South. So this was the first time I'd actually lived up north, because there is a north-south divide in the UK, or in England, to be more specific. There is a a north-south divide. So um, people in the south, that will be, I guess, from sort of the southern part of the country up to the Midlands. And then you've got the north, which is, I guess, from the top of the Midlands and up. Um, But many people in the south divide it into north and south. So if you live in London, you might consider anything north of, let's say, Watford even, to be the north, and that actually includes the Midlands and other areas. But there's definitely this north-south divide. In the south, people probably ignore the north a little bit, or they imagine it's this kind of um, slightly grim existence where the weather is worse and there's a lot of unemployment or something. That's the kind of dismissive attitude you might hear in the south. In the north, people might look to the south and consider uh, southerners to be a bit soft, to be quite selfish, where everything is, everything revolves around London, whereas in the North, um, people are a bit more genuine, it's a bit more real. You get uh, local communities that stick together, and people are generally sort of warm and friendly, for example. So there is a kind of a slight difference, um, certainly between the North and South. I'm from the Midlands and the South, so I guess I'm, I'm sort of a Southerner, really. Um, so when I moved to Liverpool my first feeling was like it's definitely up north it feels like I'm in a northern town Um, and it's the first time I'd lived up there and I mean partly that's just the climate Um, in the in the north it's colder the in the winter the the days are shorter Uh, it's a bit darker and colder plus it can be quite a windswept town Liverpool because it's they're next to the Irish Sea, so uh, you get these strong winds that whip in from the sea, and generally the climate's a bit colder. Um, people in Liverpool are different to the people anywhere else in the country. Really, um, they're sort of they're known for being kind of cheeky and chatty, uh, quite tough uh, people, humorous, a bit tricky sometimes. Uh, like you get some tricky characters uh, who might be up to no good. Um, but also proud people, proud of their city, and also quite sentimental about Liverpool. And also, um, scouters are known for being a bit sensitive about the city as well. Um, And um, Liverpool has a particular history that isn't shared by other towns in England. Its cultural mix is different to the rest of the country. The accent in particular is very distinctive, and it's confined for one accent to, to be localized to, when you consider the accent diversity in other larger countries where you might find the same accent uh uh being heard for many, many miles, like for example, Texas, for example. Uh we talk about the Texas accent, but Texas is a huge place. By comparison, Liverpool is is minuscule in size. And it just shows that in England our accents are very specific and very local. Um, if you travel just 30 minutes by car from Liverpool to neighbouring Manchester, you'll find that the, um, the accent is very different. And this is largely because of the unique history of Liverpool as an international port and also just generally the rich diversity of influences. So this is a corner of the country with a strong character and a recognisable accent to go along with it. Uh, Scousers or people from Liverpool are instantly recognisable by their accent. The sound of a Liverpool accent instantly conjures up certain images, certain clichés, certain reference points, and a certain history which is unique to that part of the country. In this episode, the plan is to investigate the Liverpool accent and to some extent the dialect, listen to some samples, find out some of the pronunciation features, and also consider a little bit of Liverpool's history and culture. And... uh, We'll listen to a few different people speaking in a Liverpool accent, and I'll help you to understand it all. And I'm sure that you'll pick up some nice vocabulary on the way, and not just uh, local slang words, but words that, in fact, everybody in the country uses, but which the Scousers might just pronounce in their own way. So the aim is to broaden your horizons, broaden your exposure to different accents, and to help you get a full appreciation of English in all its forms. And we're going to start by listening to uh, an advert, okay, a a commercial from the TV, an advertisement on TV, a TV advert. Uh, This is an advert that used to be on the TV and which millions of British people watched many times, Uh, the famous milk advert. And um, this is what Pretty much the entire nation, certainly of my generation, might think of as a sample of Scouse English. Uh, Many of us heard this lots of times growing up. We saw it on TV every day. And a lot of us even learned it as well. I used to be able to recite this whole advertisement word for word when I was a kid. In fact, I think I can probably still do it. Um, So, just to set the scene before I play you the audio of this advert. Imagine two children from Liverpool who have been playing football in the garden, all right? They've been running around playing football in the garden, and they're sort of thirsty and they need refreshment. So they come into the house to get something refreshing to drink from the fridge, uh, or should that be the fridge? Uh, They get something from the fridge, and one of them asks for lemonade, and the other one chooses to drink milk, because this is what Ian Rush drinks. Milk? Milk? It's what Ian Rush drinks. Ian Rush was a famous footballer in the 1980s. He played football for Liverpool for years and he scored many goals for them. He was amazing. Uh, He was Welsh. He never played for England because he was Welsh. That's Ian Rush. Uh, By the way, you should also know um, there is a place in England which is called Accrington. Accrington. It's a town north of Manchester. And their football team, called Accrington Stanley are not very good they 're kind of an unknown football team so Accrington Stanley uh, Accrington Stanley is a is a reference uh, for an unknown football team that nobody wants to play for okay so you 've heard Ian Rush and Accrington Stanley i 'll let you now listen to the advert and uh, see if you can just well see if you can understand it and then we 'll pick apart some of the features of the speech in a moment
1: if He wants Milk! Ugh! It's what Ian Rush drinks. Ian Rush? Yeah, and he said, if I didn't drink lots of milk, when I grow up, wouldn't it be good enough to play for Ackerman and Stanley?
3: Ackerman and Stanley? Mm. Who are they? Exactly. Nah, get off. Give me some. Get off. Okay, Accrington Stanley, who are they? Exactly. Right, that is the, that's the kind of reference
2: for so many people in the UK of a, a Scouse accent.
3: Milk, eh? That's disgusting. It's what Ian Rush drinks. Ian Rush, yeah. He said, if I don't, what is it? If I don't drink enough milk, I'll only be good enough to play for Accrington Stanley. Accrington Stanley, who are they? Exactly
2: uh all right um there you go let's just go through that again and see if we can break it down sentence by sentence and pick out any particular features
3: of speech could you hear this could you hear the sound of it as well it's very sort of like this now imagine i mean they're kids first of all they're kids so they sort of speak like this up here
2: don't they but you know what even some scouse people speak up here all right macy you are students you know, it, it sometimes is quite high-pitched, quite nasal. Um, let's have a listen.
3: Milk! Eh? Got any lemonade? Got any lemonade? Got any lemonade? Have you got any lemonade? Got any lemonade? Got any
4: lemonade? If you want.
3: If you want. Have you got any lemonade? If you
2: want. And he gets his milk out of the fridge. Pours a glass for himself. Milk. Ugh.
1: It's what Ian Rush drinks. Ian Rush. Yeah, and he said, if I didn't drink lots of milk.
3: He said, if I didn't drink lots of milk. If
2: I. So it's not if I. If I didn't drink lots of milk. It's if I didn't drink lots of,
3: lots of milk.
2: Oh, well, you don't do it that much, but can you hear the sound? You don't really find that anywhere else in England. If I didn't drink lots of milk. That's really quite a specific thing. That's one of the features. We'll be looking at the specific features in a moment, but also the way he says I. If I don't if I didn't drink lots of
3: milk, if I didn't drink lots of milk In Rush.
1: Yeah, and he said, if I didn't drink lots of milk when I grow up, I'll only be good enough to
3: play for Accent and Stanley. I'll only be good enough to play for Accent and Stanley. <laughs>
2: I'm only I'll only be good enough to play for Ackrington Accrington
3: Stanley. I'll only be good enough to play for Accrington Stanley
1: Didn't drink that milk. When I grow up, I'll only be good enough to play for Accrington
3: Stanley Accrington Stanley Who are they? Exactly Exactly.
2: Wow. OK, then. So there's your introduction to uh, the Liverpool accent. Let's go into it in a bit more detail, shall, shall we? Uh, that thing, that k- sound, you get that when it's normally a K sound, like a K sound or a K sound. That in Liverpool accent would come out as a k- kind of sound. Um, and it makes me think of this comedian uh, called Lee Mack, who um, I just saw a clip of him uh, making fun of the Liverpool accent. This is Lee Mack making fun of the Liverpool accent And especially that feature Of when a k sound becomes a K sound And uh, like Lee, like I would say Lee Mack That's his name But a Scouser might call him Lee Mack And he kind of makes fun of that Saying that when someone is so Scouse That they start to turn into a dolphin
5: Like a really classy girl What a great Scouse accent as well. I love it when someone's so Scouse, they sound like they're turning into a dolphin. You know, proper Scouse.
6: Fucking hell, hey, hey, you, hey, are you Lee Mack? Are you you Lee Mack?
3: Hey, mace are you f- oh, okay
2: all right anyway that's just um the uh that particular cut k- which becomes k- sound let's go through some accent features okay let's do it let's um let's go through some different features of the liverpool accent all right and break it down these features are quite subtle but um i don't know breaking it down like this might help Right, it might help you to kind of decode the Liverpool accent. Then we'll listen to some more samples and see if you can understand it. And then hopefully by the end of the episode, you'll be more familiar, you'll be a bit more comfortable and familiar with uh, with this other version of, um, of, of English that you might hear. So consonant sounds, we'll start with them, consonant sounds and how they're different. So we're comparing uh, a Liverpool accent with a sort of received pronunciation accent, like the way that I normally speak. Um, okay, so consonant sounds... Uh, the first one is obviously k, which we know becomes kh. So, um, like in like like in the word Loch, you know Loch Ness, Loch Ness, um, that sound. So obviously we had Ackrington Stanley, which becomes Ackrington Stanley. Uh, uh milk becomes milk, uh, and Lee Mac becomes Lee Mac. Okay um all right so watch out for that uh also r sounds r sounds uh in words are replaced by this alveolar tap uh did i say alveolar flap before could also be a flap flap tap kind of does the same job really um but anyway akrington stanley akring you hear the alveolar tap there that's where you tap your tongue just onto the alveolar ridge, which is that ridge of sort of flesh behind your teeth. Tap there. So uh, it's not a full rhotic R. It doesn't go, you know, I can't do it very well. But, you know, in many languages you have a full-on rolled rotic R. Well, in a Liverpool accent, it's not a full-on roll. It's just a tap. So, Accrington Stanley, Accrington. And I'm afraid I'm not from round here would be, I'm afraid I'm not from round here. I'm afraid... I'm afraid. You hear it's just once. Afraid. I'm afraid I'm not from round here. It's just like a, a, a an alveolar tap there. All right. All right, mate. All right. Not all right. All right. See, it's just one tap. All right, mate. I'm not from round here. I'm afraid I'm not from round here, mate. Um, so that's the R sounds. T sounds. A T sound sometimes can sound like a S sound. It becomes more fricative, okay? T- can sound like S. So, for example, in the word butter, I would say butter. In Liverpool, it might be butter. Excuse me, mate, can you pass the butter? Can you pass that butter? Um, I'm going to go into town later. I'm going to go into town. Not I'm going to go into town, but the into town becomes into town later. Not later.
3: Later. Do you want something? Come on then mate, let's let's start. Come Ed, let's get started. Let's get started. Let's
2: get started. Uh g or g sound at the, like the the letter g at the end of a word uh g it's not just pronounced with the ing sound like for example in the word sing or a singer. You can hear the ing, right? That ing. It's not just that, but it it becomes all the way around to a G sound. So I would say sing. And in, in Liverpool you might hear sing. So it actually bounces back to G. Sing. He's a
3: singer. Here, mate, are you a singer? Do you You going to sing us a song? Okay. Ear hey mate, are you going to sing us a song? Are you a singer?
2: Right? So I would say, are you a singer?
3: Are you going to sing us a
2: song? Are you a singer? Are you going to sing us a song? For example. Um... Uh, But also, the G is sometimes completely dropped, Um, like at the end of some words, like, Yeah, Mace, what are you doing? What are you doing? Not what are you doing, but what are you doing? What are you doing? What are yous doing? Like that, okay? Milk, that's disgusting. Not disgusting. That's disgusting. All right? So sometimes it's like sing and singer, and sometimes it's like, that's disgusting. H sounds, huh. Sounds are often dropped, especially at the beginning of words. So I would say, that has never happened, to be honest. And in Liverpool, it might be, that's never happened, to be honest. That has never happened, to be honest. That has never happened. And here the alveolar tap between never happened, never happened, to be honest. That has never happened, to be ho- well, honest doesn't have one anyway, does it? Honest is a silent H, but uh, certainly has and happened. That has never happened. That's never happened, okay? And uh, D sounds like D or D sounds. You you sometimes get them instead of TH sounds, so you get a D instead of a, a the, okay? Uh, so I would say they do though, don't they? Though they do though, don't they? Though in Liverpool it might be de do do don't do do. De do do, don't They do, though, don't they? De they do though, don't they? They do, though, don't do? And that's kind of a, a Liverpool catchphrase or a cliche of Liverpool. All right, so I'm from Liverpool. All right, calm down. De do do, don't do? You know, that's a sort of a, a Liverpool cliche, that one. De do do, don't do do, don't do? Right. They do, though, don't they? Um, hmm. Uh, vowel sounds. Vowel sounds. Um,. The er uh, uh sound, like er uh in bird, um, becomes like air in, in, in air, like the air that you breathe. So er uh becomes air. So, for example, I would say work. In Liverpool, it's work. First and fast. And bird and bed. Ear, yeah, mate. Uh, are you always the first one to get to work in the morning? Are you always the first one to get to work in the morning? Here, mate. Are you looking at my bed? Are you looking at my bed? Are you looking at my bird? Meaning, are you looking at my girlfriend? R uh, ah sounds, uh, which you find in the south, like in the words bath and grass and laugh, generally in the north, they become a ah sounds. So, that's generally true in the north. Um, and it's true in Liverpool as well. You might hear bath, grass, laugh. Um, but sometimes... Uh, those sounds become wider, like in ah, like a kind of ah sound. So you get this kind of like, ear hey, mate, have you got any Pokemon cards? Pokemon cards. Cards. Um, I think that sounds really Welsh, that one. Have you got any Pokemon cards? Sounds kind of Welsh to me. Um, and uh, I used to work in Liverpool. I worked in a shop. I worked on in HMV, which is a big music shop, in the centre of Liverpool, and um, we used to get these kids coming in, these Scallies. Scallies are like little... They're, they're like kids who are probably up to no good. Probably dressed in tracksuits. And they'd come up to the counter where I was working, and they'd be like, "Here, mate, have you got any Pokemon
3: cards? Give, yeah, give us some Pokemon cards! Like that.
2: Uh, cards. And cads. Pokemon Pokemon cards. Pokemon cards. Right? does it sound different to you? Does it sound like a totally different version of the the language or something? I wonder. Um, uh, The sound uh in book uh, sometimes sounds like ooh, like book, but not every time, strangely. Sometimes they say it like me, like in words took and look, but with the sound. Took and look. I took a look inside the box and you'll never guess what I saw. I took a look. Uh, so, took and look sound like the way I say it, but some words um, become ooh, like book. I took a look inside the box and I saw loads of books. Uh I don't know why it's book and not book. It's just the way it is. Um, E-R sounds at the ends of words, like teacher, computer, singer. Uh, E-R sounds, um, which are normally produced with a schwa sound, like, for example, teacher, uh That's a schwa sound. In Liverpool, you might find that they are pronounced with an e sound. Like computer, teacher, fitter, singer. Like that as well. Okay, teacher, computer. I'd say computer and it's computer. Can I use your computer? Are you a teacher? For example, um, a, the sound a becomes like uh or o. So a. So I would say, uh, sh- like, shut up. You might hear, shut up. Shut up, will ya? Shut up. Um, and also, erm, um, right? Erm. Um, um. You, you hear people saying that, right, when they're thinking, erm. Um. Well, in, in uh, Liverpool, it's, eh, Right like in Spanish right this is how Spanish people say uh like everyone in the world's got a different way of saying uh in French it's like bah like that bah. in um in Japan it's what is it edo uh, eto ne like that and in Spain it's "e," and in in Liverpool it's "e" as well eh all right mate, um what are you doing um and also you get this vowel sound um uh, air, like in hair, for example. I need a haircut. And over there, sometimes that becomes er. Uh, so you get her. I need a new her cut. You know, I'd like to be a her dresser or two. I'd like to be two her dressers. Um, I'd like to open up my own her dresser over there. Over there, like that. So sometimes air becomes er, uh, which I think is a slightly old-fashioned uh, thing. You heard the Beatles doing that. That's the sort of thing that the Beatles would do. I, I, you know, uh, you know, how did you get your haircut? This her Hair, uh, uh, I can't do it. This her her cut. All right. Um, so anyway, there you go. All those features are quite interesting, but there is a good chance, I imagine, that all of that just went straight over your head. Possibly. Really, the best way to get used to hearing any kind of English, including Scouse English, is just to listen to some people using it. So let's, moving on, let's move on to listen to another audio sample. And um, I'm not going to tell you anything about this one before you start listening to it, okay? I'm not telling you anything in advance. Um, so I just want you to listen to it, and I'd like you to work out who is he, and what's he talking about, okay? Who is he in general, And even just what's the general subject that's being talked about here. Uh, If you can get any specific details, that's great. You might find this one to be tricky. Let's see. Who is he and what is he talking about? Here we go. I'm like any fan, you get
7: excited thinking you might bring in and you know, being involved just because you're a player is still exactly the same as the man on the street. You're picking up the paper, hopefully, you're going to see you've signed someone. But I think this summer's been a bit of speculation about maybe players moving on. So at the moment, I'm just hoping that uh, that doesn't happen rather than people coming because I mean, I think we've got a great side and a great squad at the moment. I'm sure the manager's going to make a couple of additions, but we certainly don't to lose anyone. We've never really had as good a challenge as we've had under Rafa uh, in the five years he's been here. So to do that and to get 86 points, beat Man United twice, Chelsea twice. And, and still not win the league is is probably a disappointment. But I think we can look on back on it and say you know it's definitely progression. But now there's only one more uh, progression for us, now, otherwise we'd rather you know gone back or stood still. So there's,
2: you know we only we all realise that there's there's only one place for us to go now. Woo! How did you get on with that one then? Hey, how did you get on with that one? Well, I have to say this is a slightly difficult one to listen to. Um, and it you know generally g- agreed to be a difficult one to listen to. uh This is the, the title of this video is Jamie Carragher butchers the English language. So this is an example of actually someone speaking uh in a way that you know many people can't understand. Now, most of the time, people from all over the UK can understand people in Liverpool. It's it's not a problem. We can understand Liverpudlians definitely. But sometimes you get football players and Jamie Carragher, who you just heard, is a football player. He's from Liverpool. He played for Liverpool for many years and England. Uh, Football players aren't always the most articulate people. They're not always the best speakers. So really, I think this video... It's not really about how uh, Scouse English is impossible to understand. It's just about how Jamie Carragher as an individual is is difficult to understand. The main problem for me in all of that, the the reason why it's difficult to follow, is because... Uh, he doesn't pause anywhere. I mean, there's no sentence stress going on at all. No pausing. I think the pronunciation is probably not that bad, but it's the lack of pausing. It's just this kind of constant stream of words, uh, and that makes it hard. Also, if you're watching the video, you see the the subtitles flying along underneath um, from right to left really quickly, and that kind of also gives the impression that he's inarticulate. I think if he paused... Uh, more than it would be um, you know possible to understand him what I'm going to do now is just go through that again um, and just read it to you at sort of my speed uh, in my voice and see if you can follow it so Jamie Carragher is a football player he was talking about um, um, he's talking about when you you wonder who which new players are going to be brought into the team so at the end of every season, there's this period where there are transfers. So we're talking about football now. There are there. Are, there's this period at the end of the football season where there are transfers, and that's where people move into your team or potentially people leave the team and Jamie Carragher was excited you know wondering who who was going to be brought into the team he was concerned that some people would leave because he thinks they've got a really good squad they've got a good team and he thinks that um you know they they the the only option they have is to make progress in the future um let me read it to you then myself and see if you can follow it and then we'll listen to him one more time and then we'll move on i'm i'm like any fan you know you get excited thinking about who you might bring in and you know being involved just because uh, just because you're a player you're you're just exactly the same as the man on the street you're picking up the paper hopefully you're going to see that you've signed someone to sign someone means to 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 bring a new player into the team hopefully you're going to see that you've signed someone but i think this summer there's been speculation about maybe players moving on so at the moment i'm just hoping that that doesn't happen now uh, um, he's hoping that people don't cu- um, don't leave. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, he wants people to come in because I mean we've got a great side, a great squad at the moment. I'm sure the manager's going to make a couple of additions, but we certainly don't want to lose anyone. We've never really had as good a challenge as we've had under Rafa, uh, meaning we've we've never. He, Rafa is their manager, Rafael Benitez. He was saying uh, they've never had a good chance as they have now with Rafa. So they think they're in a good, strong position. We've never had such a good chance as we've had with Rafa in the five years that he's been here. So to do that and to get 86 points, beat Manchester United twice, Chelsea twice, and still not win the league is probably disappointing. So he's saying that although they, they played well, they beat Manchester United and Chelsea several times, uh, the fact that they didn't win the league is, is disappointing for them. But now he's saying that they can look forward to the future. I think we can look back on it and say, you know, it's definitely pro- progression. But now there's only one more progression for us now. Otherwise, we've either gone back or we've stood still. So, you know, we 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 all realise there's only one place for us to go now. And that means like forward or or, uh, to make progress. Let's listen to him again then and see if that makes any difference. Maybe you can understand a bit more this time. Um, Here we go. I'm like any fan, you get excited,
7: think who you might bring in and you know being involved just because you're a player is still exactly the same as the man on the street you're, you're picking up the paper, hopefully you're going to see you've signed someone, but I think this summer has been a bit of speculation about maybe players moving on so at the moment I'm just hoping that uh, that doesn't happen rather than people coming because I, mean, I think we've got a great side and a great squad at the moment I'm sure the manager's is going to make a couple of additions but we certainly don't lose yeah. anyone we've never really had as good a challenge as we've had under Rafa uh, in the five years he's been here so to do that and to get 86 points beat Man United twice, Chelsea twice and, and still not win the league is is probably a disappointment but I think we can look on back on it and say you know it's definitely progression but now there's only one more uh, progression for us and now would otherwise be either you know gone back or stood still so there's, you know we only we all realize that there's there's only one place for us to go now
2: okay just an example of how pausing and uh, you know giving different stress and intonation to your sentences is vital to make you sound um, comprehensible uh, so there you go that was that was um Jamie Carragher, I think we'll listen to a little bit more football now, just a bit more, uh, maybe one other bit of football, uh, because, you know, I'm searching for samples of uh, people speaking with an authentic Liverpool accent. Many of the people I found were footballers. Um, So let's have one more. Uh, Because it's quite interesting to hear footballers. I mean, you hear different types of English, right? There are different types of English out there in the world. The English that you hear on the BBC, the English that you hear in stand-up comedy, the the English that you hear in the market, you know, uh, business English, this kind of English, academic English, all these different types of English. And there's this other type of English, which is the way that professional footballers talk uh, to journalists. And it's this, I don't know what it is exactly, but it's a genuine thing. That um, often professional footballers are not completely articulate, and they they rely on certain cliched phrases like you know I just went out there I've just done my best you know I let my feet do the talking you know and I've, obviously the managers you know um, manager's been working hard this year so we're going to put our best foot forwards and you know it's a it's a game of two halves at the end of the day. You know, those kind of uh, cliches, like David Beckham. If you ever do a David Beckham impression, you can just sort of make make your voice go like this, because this is how David Beckham speaks. I don't know if you realise it. I know David Beckham is a beautiful man. He's a stunning specimen of mankind. But, uh, well,
3: you know, it's best if he doesn't open his voice because obviously, you know, we've gone out there, we've tried our best, like the manager's told us to like, just go and have fun. And we've, you know, we've we've worked hard in the second half. We've worked hard all throughout the uh, the, the lunch break.
2: Um, just cliched kind of uh, uh, ways that footballers speak. So let's just have a little bit more f- um, of a professional footballer from Liverpool. And now you're going to hear Stephen Gerrard, uh Steven Gerrard when I lived in Liverpool I, the first year I lived there I lived in this tower block on the Scotland uh, Scotland Road Scotland Road is one of the roughest toughest districts in Liverpool it was not far from the Everton football ground Goodison Park Goodison Park um and um and uh, so I used to live there and uh, it was a rough and tough place on the street where the tower block was uh, sometimes we would see a red BMW parked up outside a house and we thought, oh, is that a gangster or something? Because you don't often see a, an expensive car. Later on, we learned that it was Stephen Gerrard's car because that was his mum's house. So he used to um, visit his mum sometimes and we'd see his car parked outside the building. So Stephen Gerrard is from a you know proper uh, part of Liverpool and you can hear it in his accent. He's got a really authentic, genuine uh, modern liverpool accent so let's listen to him stephen gerard by the way was the uh is a I, th- I think he's retired now professional footballer uh he used to be the england captain he was captain of liverpool football club he played for liverpool for almost his entire career very loyal to the club and a loyal liverpudlian so this is um uh stephen gerard talking to the media and uh so i've got just uh, a couple of questions for you. One question is, what is he looking forward to? What is Stephen Gerrard looking forward to? And he's talking about playing for England here. So, what's he looking forward to? Secondly, is he worried about the regime change with Fabio Capello? So, this is at the time when England were about to get a new manager. Because the story of football for the England team is a sad story. You know, we won the World Cup in 1966, and every ever. Ever since, we've failed to do very well. We've never got to the final since then. And we've been through a succession of different managers, most of whom get fired in in shame because they got knocked out of some tournament on penalties, probably to Germany. And um, a few years ago, we decided that we would uh, employ... Uh, a manager with an excellent track record so we took on the italian uh football coach fabio capello because he had such a brilliant track record the idea was that he was going to come in he was going to be um a breath of fresh air for the england team and that there would be a regime change regime change that's like a change to the whole organizational system the way the whole thing has been led and managed so uh is um Uh, Stephen Gerrard worried about the regime change with Fabio Capello because Capello uh, was known for being a disciplinarian and does he have a message of hope for England fans because obviously all England fans are desperate for hope just give us a little bit of hope please and um, they talk about David Beckham a little bit, and it's, uh, what would it mean to David Beckham to achieve 100 caps? What's he looking forward to? What does he think of the regime change? Does he have hope for England fans? And what would it mean to David Beckham to achieve 100 caps? A cap, um, you get a cap every time you play for your country so Beckham um was at this point uh, just under 100 caps so he'd played just less than 100 games for England so what would it mean to Beckham to get 100 caps here we go
6: Stephen we're very close now to the first announcement of Fabio Cavello's first squad for the game against Switzerland, how much are you looking forward to, to that game and that chance, perhaps, to have a fresh start with England? Yeah, I'm looking forward to the squad getting announced first of all. I mean, obviously, look for
4: your names to see whether you're involved. But I think every England player is looking forward to the new regime, if you like, and looking forward to get back winning in England because you know it has been
6: you know a difficult, difficult time of late because you know we have underachieved. The new manager has a reputation for being a disciplinarian mm. any apprehension at all amongst the players as to what that might mean for you when you meet up with England? No, not really. We understand
4: what what Fabio's about, and you know it's important that we just get together and get used to him get a feel for what he wants and you know as players we've got to adapt to that. you know he's the boss now, so we do what he says, and if he wants to change certain things we've got to got to do it his
6: way. If you had a message of hope perhaps for for England fans who are looking to the future and hoping things can improve? Well, I think, of course, there's certainly hope there. You know, you look at the, this guy's CV.
4: And, you know, everywhere he's been, Italy, Spain, um, he's made the success of it. and He's certainly a winner. So if, to have him in charge of our nation, I think it's only going to be positive. Mm-hmm.
6: Perhaps the other biggest talking point about the Switzerland game is the possibility of it being David Beckham's 100th cap. We can't pre-empt the squad, I guess, but what would it mean to David, do you think, to, to achieve that, that mark? Yeah, I think it means an awful lot to him. Uh, you, know, you go back to his first cap, I'm
4: sure it, it seems a long way away from him, so to, to get to the 100 I'm sure it's a milestone he's, he's always dreamed of achieving, so without picking the manager's squad, I do hope for David's sake that he is named and he, he does get on the pitch to make it a 100, but you know, I f- still feel he's got a an awful lot to offer in English years. He's still got the ability and he looks after himself and he's as fit as anyone. So I'm sure you know David wants more than a hundred.
2: All right then. Did you get all the answers? Let's have a little listen again and we'll uh, sort of pay specific attention to what he said. Now Here to the
6: first announcement of Fabio Cavello's first squad for the game against Switzerland. Mm. How much are you looking forward to, to that game and that chance perhaps to have a fresh start with England? Yeah, I'm looking forward to the squad getting announced first of all
2: i 'm looking forward to the squad getting announced first of all i 'm looking forward to the squad getting announced first of all. Do you notice the way he said looking looking and first first of all chance perhaps to
4: have a fresh start with England yeah i 'm looking forward to the squad getting announced first of all I and mean, obviously you look for your name to see whether you 're involved but I think... you look for your, you look for your name to see whether you 're involved but I
2: think every England player is looking forward to the new
4: regime if you like
2: every England player is looking forward to the new regime. Are you... Like, let's do what we did before. I'll pause it. I want you to try and identify what you just heard, and then I'm going to repeat it. looking forward to get back winning in an England shirt, because, you know... Looking forward to get back winning in an England shirt. Looking forward to get back winning in an England shirt. Can you say that? It's actually grammatically incorrect. It should be, I'm looking forward to getting back winning. But he said, "I'm, I'm looking forward to get back winning in an England shirt. Winning in an England shirt. Winning in an England shirt.
4: It has been, you know, difficult. Looking forward to get back winning in an England
2: shirt because, you know, it has been, you know, a difficult, difficult time of late because... It has been a difficult time of late. Not it has been a difficult time. It has been a difficult time. You know, we have underachieved
6: and the new manager has a reputation for being a disciplinarian. Mm. Any apprehension at all amongst the players as to what that might mean for you when you meet up with England? No, not really. We understand um, what, what Fabio's about and
4: um, you know it's important that we just get together and get used to him. Get a...
2: We understand what Fabio's about. It's important we just get together and get used to him. We just get together and get used to him.
4: And what, what Fabio's about and um, you know it's important that we just get together and get used to him. Get a feel for what he wants and You know, um, as players, We've got to adapt
2: to that, you know. Get a feel for what he wants. To get a feel for something. Meaning sort of like Get a sense of what something is. To get a feel for something Or to adapt to what he wants. Get a feel for what he wants And, you know, um, As
4: players, we've got to adapt to that. You know, he's the boss now. We've got to adapt to that, That. We've got to adapt to that. He's the boss. Um, So we do what he says And if he wants to
2: change certain things, We've got got to do it as well. If he wants to change certain things, if he wants to change certain things, if he wants to change certain things, things. Okay, I, you know I'm going to stop that there. You can you'll find that video on the page for the episode, all right? So you can go back to it. I just wanted to, since we were talking about the kind of cliched way that that, that football players respond uh, to interviews like this. Here's an example of a spoof. Uh, A character called Wayne Gerrard, who I guess is like a combination between Wayne Rooney and Stephen Gerrard. And this is a character played by a comedian called Paul Whitehouse. And it's a spoof of the way that uh, footballers talk to journalists and specifically scouse footballers talk to journalists. And they just roll out the same cliches. You know, I'm just going to get my head down. If you get your head down, it means you don't really cause much fuss. You just get on with the, you just get on with uh, the job. Just get my head down. I'll let my feet do the talking. If you let your feet do the talking, it means that uh, you won't say too much off the pitch. And instead, you'll just, you know, let your football do the talking, you know, just sort of uh, make your statements by playing football, not speaking to the press. Uh, We're very pleased for the fans. I'm very pleased for the manager. We're just going to take it one game at a time. I'm just going to keep my head down, let my feet do the talking. Um, Just, you know, take it one game at a time. Just uh, let my football do the talking. You know, just all of those cliches. Um, and so here's that little sketch of Wayne Gerrard uh, by Paul Whitehouse.
5: Wayne Gerrard, great match and a personal triumph for you. You must be pleased with the way you took your goals.
7: Well, I always I was going to let me
0: the talking. I'm very pleased with the pleased
5: to see And you must be doubly satisfied with all the personal problems you've been having lately. I don't think about anything like that, you know, just uh, keep me head down, let me feed you to the talking. And the chance of Chelsea next?
0: Well, it's one game at a time, you know, very pleased for the fans, keep me head down, let me feed you the talking, please for the, you know, keep me head down, let me football do the talking, Please for everyone connected with the club, you know, keep me
2: head down, do me talking on the pitch, you know, just keep me head down.
8: Wayne, thanks, thanks for... for
2: <laughs> All right, um, now let's move on. Uh, I'm just going to tell you a, a short history of Liverpool at this point. Here it is, a short history of Liverpool in a nutshell. Right, so Liverpool, you know where it is, right? I told you in the last episode, it's in the northwest of England. It's a port town on the River Mersey. Uh, just where the north coast of Wales meets the, the west coast of England. That corner there, that's where you find Liverpool. The general area there is uh, is called Merseyside, around the River Mersey. Liverpool started as a small trading port, probably in like the 13th or 14th centuries. By the 17th and 18th centuries, it was the primary or one of the, the most important ports for trade In the country and the primary port for trade with Ireland. Okay. Um, And there was lots of trade uh, with Ireland and also ships coming from Norway and Sweden or from other Scandinavian countries, Northern, uh, Northern European countries. The Industrial Revolution, globalization, and Britain's colonialism meant that Liverpool became a hugely important port for British ships heading to the Americas in the 19th century, because it faces in that direction. So Liverpool was uh, one of the places uh, that connected England to the Americas, let's say, and other parts of the world. As a result, by the mid-19th century, Liverpool was a hugely important city for trading with the New World. The population of the city grew quickly with amazing diversity. Everyone from around the world was there, including large numbers of Irish and Welsh workers from Ireland and Wales, Scandinavian sailors, but also Chinese workers, Caribbean workers associated with the slave trade as well. Liverpool was one of the most important and most impressive cities in the world at this time, and it was sometimes called the New York of Europe. And you can see evidence of that in some of the buildings, like parts of the city resemble some of the style of New York buildings, especially in the old part of town and by the docks. Uh, for example, the, the famous Liver building, which has got these two metal uh, Liver birds on the top. It's the symbol of Liverpool. And, um, The diverse history is still evident in the cultural makeup of the city. And there is still a large Chinese community and also many families of Caribbean origin in parts of Liverpool. Uh, The biggest influences, though, were from the, the Welsh and certainly the Irish communities who moved into Liverpool for the manual work that was available there in the 19th century. Liverpool is heavily influenced by the Irish And it was described even as the capital of Ireland, sometimes, just because so many Irish people lived there. And all of these influences can be heard in the Liverpool accent. Some Irish, some features of Welsh, uh, which is a totally different language to English, by the way, uh, Welsh. And also some Scandinavian influences and and many others that make Liverpool so different. Uh, That's also combined with the local Lancashire accent, Um, just next door where you find manchester so it's also you know influenced by the lancashire accent and all of it combines to create this particularly rich and vibrant form of english Uh, the city was very rich and very important during the industrial revolution but conditions for many of the people living there were appalling you know people living squeezed into dirty and dangerous slums and gradually, uh, Britain's position as the global industrial imperial power started slipping. And the two world wars sped up that process. Many young men were killed in World War I. And between the two wars, Liverpool was partly redesigned with many residential areas being built around the outskirts of the city. And lots of people who previously lived in the slums were relocated there. And this changed the nature of the city with large outlying residential areas with row upon row of terraced houses. Uh, World War II was devastating to Liverpool as it was the target of bombing raids by the Luftwaffe, the the German um, um, planes who came over and bombed the city. Like many cities in the UK, Liverpool got pounded. By bombs night after night, and lots of buildings were destroyed, and they stayed destroyed for many years. Uh, even when the Beatles were growing up um, in Liverpool in the 1950s, it was common for children to play in bomb sites, in the remains of buildings destroyed by bombs. And even when I was living there in the 1990s, I saw lots of empty spaces in residential streets where buildings used to exist but still hadn't been replaced since the war. So, Uh, With the end of the Industrial Revolution, Liverpool's importance slipped. And basically, since World War II, Liverpool has been a rather tough place to live with various social problems, unemployment, poverty, and perhaps the sense that the city has been somewhat ignored or forgotten by the country, which used to rely on it so much. That's painting a rather sad picture. The, The actual fact is that Liverpool... Remains this vibrant place with um, people who've got uh, personality and the city is, is, you know, it's different to other parts of the country. So it's got this proud, vibrant um, uh, culture, which is this odd combination of this old industrial history with some more uh, pop. Popular elements these days like for example today the city is known for the beatles the football clubs and uh, and their players and some cultural things such as the vibrant art scene the universities and just the scouse people themselves who are known for their humor and their unique character um, here is a, a female uh, voice from liverpool um i'm going to play you a clip of jennifer ellison who is an actress from liverpool and um And so she's talking about being a mum, okay? So this is Jennifer Ellison talking about being a mum. Again, see if you can notice any features of the Scouse accent in this clip. Uh, I'll go through a couple of bits uh, in a moment. Uh, It's only, I think it's less than a minute long, this clip. I think so. 45 seconds. Here we
1: go. What is the best thing about being a mum? Uh, Oh, it's just the best thing in the world. Uh,
2: What's the best thing about being a mum? That's the question, right?
1: What's the best thing about being a mum? Uh, oh, it's just the best thing in the world. I can't even describe But Until you're a mum, you'll never know. Um, it's just the most rewarding, difficult and amazing, amazing thing to be a mum. Do you have a piece of advice that you want to instil in your kids? Um, just to, Just to, I don't know, just to... Live every day and uh, have no regrets, really. That's how I live my life. Brilliant. So they're going to follow on in your footsteps? Yes, hopefully. What are you up to at the moment? I'm in Singing in the Rain in the West End. Um, Amazing. Uh, currently, yes. Yeah. So Sunday's my day off. So it must be a good awards to get me here. Absolutely. Will you enjoy it, Jennifer? Oh, thank you very much.
2: All right. Uh, that was Jennifer Ellison talking about being a, you know, the best thing about being a mum. Uh, let's have a little listen again. I'm going to break it up and uh, pick apart exactly what she said.
1: What is the best thing about being a mum? Uh, oh, it's just the best thing in the world.
2: Oh, it's just the best thing in the world. It's just the best thing in the world. It's just the best thing in the world.
1: Until you're a mum, you'll never know. Um,
2: until you're a mum.
1: Describe but Until you're a mum, you'll never know. Um, it's just the most rewarding.
2: It's just the most rewarding... It's just the most rewarding thing, is she going to say?
1: Um, it's just the most rewarding, difficult, and amazing, amazing thing to be a mum.
2: Right, it's the most rewarding, difficult, and amazing thing to be a mum. It's the most rewarding, difficult, and amazing thing to be a mum. Most rewarding, difficult, and amazing thing to be a mum. A mum, not a mum. Mum
1: have a piece of advice that you want to instill in your kids?
2: Do you have a piece of advice you want to instill in your kids? Isn't it just like, live every day as if it's your last or something like that? Um, um right you must have noticed that,
3: um, um Just
1: to, just to I don't know, just to live every day and to have no regrets really.
2: Just live it every day and have no regrets really
1: That's how I live my life
2: that's how I live my life. That's how I live my life. That's how I live my life.
1: Brilliant. So they're going to follow one in your footsteps. Yes, hopefully. what work are you up to at the moment?
2: What work are you up to at the moment? What work are you up to at the moment? And she says she's in singing. I'm in singing in the rain, which is a musical. Singing in the rain. I'm singing in the rain. You know, that uh, musical. She says, I'm, I'm in Singing in the Rain.
1: Brilliant. So they're going to follow on in your footsteps? Yes, hopefully. work you up to at the moment? I'm in Singing in the Rain in the West End.
3: I'm in Singing in the Rain in the West End. Singing
2: in the Rain. I'm in Singing in the Rain. I'm in Singing in the Rain. I'm in Singing in the Rain at the West End.
1: Amazing. Um, currently, yes. Yeah. So Sundays are my day off. So-
2: Sundays are my day off. Sundays are my day off. Me, me day off. Not my day off, me day off.
1: Sunday's my day off, so it must be a good awards to get me here.
2: It must be a good awards to get me here. I mean, normally she's at home on Sunday, so the awards must be good if they manage to get her here. They must be good awards if they got me here. Okay, that was Jennifer Ellis, and again, you can see that video on the page if you want to see her um, as she says those sentences. Um, let's have a little look at um, some um, some vocab here. Okay, uh, let's have a look at some vocabulary. We're going to talk about some bits of of the dialect, or or guess some typical sounding words that you might hear in Liverpool. So we've done different aspects of pronunciation, the accent. Let's look at a few different typical words. Now, to be honest, what I've done here is I've made a list, and I've chosen to include words that I think you would find anywhere in the country, to be honest. I could have um, picked out specific dialect words, and I've done a few of those, but I didn't want it to be too much, too heavily oriented towards the dialect words. To be honest, if you want to check out all of those specific dialect words, you can watch Korean Billy's videos about Liverpool dialect. But what I'm doing here is I'm picking out some words that you actually will find all over the country. Typical, fairly slang-style words that you would find anywhere, but let's listen out for how Scousers would say these things. So uh, the first one was me instead of my. Me. And you heard her say that, I think, didn't you? um, me instead of my, like, you've broken all me bickies, (laughs) right? You've broken all my biscuits. You've broken all me bickies. Bickies instead of biscuits. And you've broken, bro, bro, you've broken all me bickies. You've broken all my biscuits. Now, bickies, we do say bickies everywhere, to be honest, but
3: it sounds so scouse when you say bickies like that. It makes you've broken all me bickies. What are you going to do? Um, you, plural
2: you, we had that in um, the, the John Bishop video, uh, plural you being becoming yous. Yous are all a bunch of bleeding idiots. You are all a bunch of bleeding idiots. Bleeding is like bloody, bloody idiots. Uh, but bleeding, bleeding idiots. You are all a bunch of bleeding idiots. You're all a bunch of bloody idiots. Um, also adding the word me at the end of a sentence that starts with I, which again is not just in Liverpool. You find that all over the country, especially in the north, adding me at the end of the sentence that's begun with I. Like, I'm dead hungry, me. I'm dead hungry, me. Uh, I'm really hungry, me. I'm dead hungry, me. I'm, I'm dead hungry, meaning I'm very hungry. I'm dead hungry, me. All right. And saying the word mate, again, you hear that all over the country. All right, mate. How's it going, mate? But it just sounds so Scouse when you do it with a Liverpool accent. All right, mate. Here, listen, mate. Are you a student? All right, mate. Mace, Not mate or mate. All right, mate. In London. All right, mate. In Liverpool. In, in Birmingham. All right, mate.
3: All right. All right, mate. Uh, in Liverpool. All right, mace. Mace.
2: Mm. Uh, the word "sound," which is an adjective. Uh, if you say that someone is sound, you mean that they're kind of cool, they're reliable, a good person. He's all right, isn't he? Him? Yeah, he's sound. Sound as a pound. Sound. Uh, he's all right, isn't he? Him? Yeah, he's sound. He's all right, isn't he? Him? Yeah, he's sound. Sound. So scouse. I right, like mace. Sound. Not sound, but sound. Uh, boss as well. That's Bosta. That's Bosta. Meaning that's Boss that. <laughs> oh, that's Dead Bosta. That's Dead Boss that. Meaning that's fantastic. That is. Yeah, that's Bosta. Have you played the new FIFA? It's Boss. Uh, have you played the new FIFA? It's Boss. Have you played the new FIFA, the computer game? It's brilliant. It's Bosta. I'm made up, me. I'm absolutely made up. If you're made up, it means you're happy, you're delighted. I'm absolutely made up, me. And the the uh, the one we heard before, Em,
3: what do you think about that? Em, oh, I'll tell you what, mate. I'm made up. Yeah, I just got the new FIFA. It's boss. Um, A, as well. A.
2: A, A, mate. Like that, A. Now, in, in, like, certainly where I'm from, it would be,
3: oi, oi, mate. Hey mate, what are you doing? Hey, all
2: right. We
3: also had all right, all right, all right, all right.
2: Hey, uh, la as well. La meaning lad, which means boy. It's like a what you'd say to a male friend. All right, la. All right, la. How's it going, la? La meaning friend. Uh, when you say goodbye, ta da. Then all right, ta ta da. See you later, ta da, ta da or ta ta-da or ta all mean goodbye. All right, ta-da then, see you later. All right then, ta-da, see you later, bye. ta then, meaning goodbye. See you later. Come ed, come ed, eh? Come ed, come ed is like, oh, come on. Come on then. All right, come ed, come ed you. It's like, come on you, let's go. Come ed you, let's go. And then you've got come-ed, which is like come on. And then you've got go-ed, which is go-ahead, which is go on. Uh, go ahead, mate. go ahead, mate. All right, come-ed. Go-ed. Come-ed. Um, and then there's the cliché, which is, all right, calm down, calm down. That's a cliché. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, bevvies, meaning drinks. Let's go into town and get a couple of bevvies let's go into town and get a couple of bevvies. Nice one, son. Nice one. So we say nice one everywhere. Oh, nice one, mate. Nice one, son. You might hear that in Liverpool. Nice one, mate. i tell you what, mate. I was absolutely gutted. I was gutted. If you're gutted, it means you're really disappointed. Really, really disappointed. I wanted to get tickets to see the new Star Wars film, but they're all sold out. So I'm gutted. I went to get tickets to the, see the new Star Wars film, but they're all sold out. I'm gutted. They're all sold out. I'm Uh Scran. i tell you what, mate. I'm dead starving, me. Let's go and get some scran. I'm dead hungry. I'm dead hungry, me. Let's go and get some scran. Let's go into town and get some scran and a couple of bevies. Some scran means food. Yeah, I'm dead hungry. Let's go and get some scran. Let's go and get some food. Let's go and get a couple of bevvies. Let's go and get something to drink. Bevvies are drinks. Beverages. (laughs) Um, I used to live on a street in Liverpool and on the corner of the street there was a place that sold sandwiches. So I'd go down there and get my bacon sandwich or a bacon roll. A roll is like a little roll of bread, you know, a, uh, a roll, so I'd get a bacon roll with ketchup and, and mustard, but in Liverpool, they don't call them a roll, they call them balms, a bacon balm, that's a bacon roll, uh, and I'd be like, uh, hello, can I have uh, two bacon balms, please, two bacon balms, please, Sandra, two, a couple of bacon balms, yeah, bacon balm, it just reminds me of Liverpool so much, that, what do you want, Sandra? do you want a bacon bam? <laughs>
3: Brecky, oh, I'm, I'm dead starving, and I haven't even had any Brecky today. Let's go down to the cafe and get a couple of bacon bams for Brecky.
2: Brecky means breakfast. Again, we say Brecky everywhere, to be honest. Do you want to get some Brecky, for example? Uh, it's chocker block in town. It's chocker block. It's chocker. Chocker block means it's full. Again, we would say chocker block anywhere. It's absolutely chocker block out there. It's totally chocker block outside. Uh, and then like, uh, you know, the way we say like all the time, but
3: in Liverpool, it's just like, I was like walking down the Scotty Road and I seen these two students and I was like, are you two are you two students? And they were like, yeah, we are. So what? You know, um, a lot of people in the UK
2: get to know Scouse English very well from watching a TV show, which is not on telly anymore. Uh, The TV show is called Brookside. Uh, Brookside was a soap opera that started in the 1980s, and it basically was about sort of middle-class and working-class families living in Liverpool, and it often showed scenes of social problems between the characters, including frequent arguments between the main characters in the soap opera. And this kind of helped to build the stereotype that Scousers, certainly in the 80s, were often argumentative and prone to social problems and social difficulties. I'm now gonna play you a clip from Brookside. And the summary is this. I'm gonna give you the summary first before you listen to the clip. So you're gonna hear three people. There's Barry, Barry, um, is it Barry and Billy as well? Yeah. So there's Barry, Billy, and Billy's mum. All Uh is it Barry, Billy? No, hold on a minute. It's Barry, Barry's mum, and Billy. So you got Barry, Billy's mum. No. I'm so confused. Let's start this again. Three people. There's Barry. Barry. Alright, Barry. There's Barry's mum. Alright, Barry's mum. And then there's Billy. Alright, Billy. So three people. So um So Barry wants his money. He's come to his mum's house. His mum lives with this guy called Billy. And Barry wants his money. I want my money. But the account is £500 pounds short. So his mum doesn't give him doesn't have enough money to give uh, it to him because his mum lent the money to someone else, Billy. So um, Barry's like, OK, let's cut out the middleman. And he says to Billy, just give me the money. And Billy says he hasn't got it because he needed it to pay the mortgage. The mortgage is when you've bought a house and you borrowed money to buy the house and every month you have to pay it back. That's the mortgage. If you don't pay it back, they will take your house. So um, Billy hasn't got the money because he needed it to pay for the mortgage and to pay to repair the car. Barry then gets angry with Billy, saying, you've got it made here. You've got it made here, haven't you? Referring to the fact that uh, Billy is living at at Barry's mum's house and it's easy. He's got an easy life because everything's paid for. You've got it made here. And Barry's angry with Billy because he's borrowing money from his mum. Uh, and, you know, he says things like, I'm going to have to go back to the car, fella, and tell him that I can't have the car. So he's got to lose the car. I've got to go back to the car, fella, and tell him I can't have the car. You've screwed up our Christmas. You've screwed up our Christmas. If If you screw up someone's Christmas, it means you spoil their Christmas. You've screwed up our Christmas, and then they have a fight, okay? So that's what's going to happen here. See if you can follow it with all of the... It's very fast, angry argument... Uh, which has become part of a cliche in Liverpool that they're here mate what's the matter with you are you talking to me I am as in I'm so What, what of it you know they argue a lot here we go there it is the key link. got it run on
0: lead free it's going to be well after you yeah. just do okay so uh, have you got the money then mom? the account's 500 pounds short well come your mum lent it to me I wasn't talking to you I said she lent it to me all right, then. Well, uh, let's cut out the middleman, eh? Give us the money, then. I haven't got it, have I? You know he hasn't got it. Why? I needed it to pay the mortgage. Why? He needed it. Well, so do I. Look, I got ripped off, didn't I? So? Look, the mortgage has doubled. Doreen's taken her share. All right, me heart bleeds for him. So what? Look, I live here as well, you know, and Claire. Well, why shouldn't you pay your way, don't you? Look, it wasn't just for the mortgage, right? Feeding them as well, are you? It was me car. The door's got... Pinched, didn't he? Oh, what are you saying, Debbie's not getting her car, so you can keep yours. I've told you, you'll get your money back, all right? Oh, you've really landed on your feet with air, haven't you, Billy? Look, you'll get it back. Mortgage, car maintenance. Look at me when I'm talking to you, all right? Incest free loans. This is my house. 500 a quid if it's mine now, Billy. Our is not getting his Christmas present because you can't keep your head above water. Lay off, it's my house. Listen, you told me you love me, ma'am, and all things like that. And what are you doing now, eh? You're borrowing money off of Billy. Don't push it, all right? Listen, I've got to go back to the car, fella. I've got to tell him I can't have the car. I'll <laughs> lose my deposits <laughs> and everything you will get your five hundred plus whatever you lose on the card, okay? You don't my this, Miss Billy. Mine, our Debbie's and our Simon's. You know you you're nothing. You're just a loser, Billy. You are lame. No,
2: no. You're just a loser, Billy. You are lame. There you go. So that that has that kind of thing, which you saw in Brookside quite a lot, has turned into something of a cliche. And that and this cliche was also sort of um established or pushed by. Um, another tv show a tv show called harry enfield's television program which is a really funny show from the 90s and they made fun of various things in the culture one of the sketches that they had in harry enfield's television program was um was called the scousers and it was presented as a kind of soap opera about some Scousers but the thing is that the characters there are these three brothers these three Scouse brothers and they're dressed in like uh, track suits shell suits these kind of cheap sports track suits that apparently Scousers used to wear all the time in the 80s and they've all got permed curly hair and moustaches which is another thing a cliche of Scouse people in the 80s that they wear like they wore track suits and they had uh, moustaches and permed hair and that they would argue with each other all the time So this cemented the stereotype of Scousers as argumentative and violent, often fighting and infighting, like fighting between each other, uh, coming from large families with lots of brothers, always wearing these shell suits, these kind of cheap track suits, unemployed, probably around the house all day with moustaches and curly permed hair so let's have a little clip of uh, the scousers from harry enfield's television program and you will hear certain f- phrases that always get repeated and these are the, the these are the cliches now unfortunately that many people associate with liverpool and one of them's like all right all right, calm down calm down that's what you'd say if two people are about to have a fight they're about to have a fight and you come in all right all right, calm down calm down what's going on here you know and then the other one will be like yeah are you telling me to calm down and then um, you know the other one will try and stop the argument all right all right you two break it up break it up eh break it up break it up means break up the fight all right you two break it up eh break
3: it up what's going on here eh
2: and the word friggin which is like a replacement for the other f word friggin hell you know uh do you have to make such a friggin fuss about it do you have to make such a friggin' fuss about it? To make a fuss about something is to make a big scene, uh, to act like something's really, really big and difficult or important, for example. For example, if I said, do you want a cup of tea? And you go, no. And, uh, oh, I don't know. And you go, well, I'm making one. Do you want, do you want one or not? And it's, like, All right. you don't have to make a big fuss out of it. You don't have to make a big fuss about it. Do you have to keep making such a friggin' fuss about it? Um, and just keep out of it, buddy just keep out of it if you keep out of it it means that you don't get involved in someone else's argument just keep out of it here
3: are you telling me to keep out of it all right all right calm down you used to break it up break it up are you telling me to calm down yeah i am as it happens there's no need to make such a friggin fuss about
2: it and it it goes round and round and round like that um so here we go this is the scousers from harry enfield's television (laughs) oh
0: Hey, do you want a cup of tea, buddy?
1: Oh,
5: I don't I've just had one.
0: Hey, well, I'm making one. Do you want one or not? Jesus, do you have to make such a fuss about it? I'm not making a
6: friggin' fuss about
0: it. <laughs> I make a cup of tea or don't just get off my friggin' back. Don't all talk right. to me like that. I'll break your friggin' neck, hey, all
6: right? Come on, calm down, calm down. Tell me a cup of tea we talking about, it? Yeah?
0: He's right, sir. It's only a cup of tea. Yeah. What do you mean, yeah? This is a cup of tea we're talking about here. I know it's a great cup of tea. Don't know. You obviously don't do, yeah? You? you don't know nothing. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. You yeah. two breaking up. Look, what's all this about, Gary? You keep out of it, Barry. you telling me to keep out of it. <laughs> Are you asking me whether well, I'm telling you to keep out of it? Yeah, I am. Hey, all right, you two breaking up, eh? What's going, what's going on here, eh? you asking me what's going on here? Yeah, I'm freaking out. Um, I'm going to burst it in a minute. Oh, it's yeah, not- you, you just try huh? it. Cattle oil. Oil. Oh, great. Tea
2: anyone? Yeah. Yeah. The kettle's boiled, right? The kettle's boiled. That's what you use to boil the water. Kettle's boiled. Oh, great cup of tea, anyone? I do. I
6: do. don't start.
0: I'm not late. Tea, Yes. Eh? All oh, oh, no right. Thing. Just what the doctor and all the hey the uh, Pastorville, sir. You hustling me about? what about? What about, oh, about a me or what about a you, all
8: Don't
5: miss go next go week's go. edition go of Breadside in which Gary, Barry and Terry have an argument.
2: Okay. You can see lots more of those on YouTube if you just search for Harry Enfield, the Scousers, you'll find it. Uh, now, I don't want to give you the idea that, um, you know, people in Liverpool are all arguing all the time. Oh, I like, calm down, calm down. I thought I'd play that to you because it's kind of, um, it is something that all, probably all British people know about because of the popularity of that show. But um, in reality, you know, people from Liverpool, you know, they're not any more argumentative than anyone else, really. Um, and uh you could listen to other people. You could listen to the Beatles, for example. Maybe we'll have a little example of the Beatles. Now, the Beatles are also famously from Liverpool, but nobody seems to really speak like them anymore. That... The the accent in Liverpool has become a bit more nasal, a bit harsher. You, you know, you get that sort of Liverpool accent now, don't you? You know, that sort of thing. Whereas, when, you know, in the time of the Beatles, the Beatles sort of spoke this kind of Liverpool accent like that. And you don't really hear that sort of thing much more, do you? Uh, but you can hear the Scouse in their voices if you listen carefully. Let's have a little listen to the Beatles. This is going to be an old recording from many years ago. I think this is probably 1964, Uh February 1964 right at the beginning of their careers they've just come back to the UK after their first trip to the United States where they had a lot of success and they played at the Ed Sullivan show um, let's see if we can pick out any features of their their voices and notice any bits of scouse in there this right, so them arriving at the airport oh here we go what did you most like about the trip ringo oh, I... what did you most like about the trip ringo all of it you know especially yeah. miami the
5: yeah. sun you know
2: i didn't know what it meant until i went over there <laughs> don't you get it up in liverpool no they, they finished up there you know <laughs> you can hear the humor as well because like he's saying you know uh what did you think and he's like oh it's amazing the sun and the interviewer goes oh don't you get any sun in liverpool he's like no no they've finished up there now so that kind of casual humor the beatles were amazing i have to say
5: what did you most like about the trip ring, Oh, I just loved all of it, you know, especially yeah. Miami. The yeah. sun, you know. <laughs> I didn't know what it meant until I went over there. Don't you get it up in Liverpool?
2: No, they they finished up there, you know.
6: <laughs>
5: Cut it out.
2: They finished up there, so you can still hear the the. There, the. Yeah, they finished up there, you know.
5: <laughs> did you ever have a chance, John, to just get away on your own without yeah. anybody recognizing you? We borrowed a couple of millionaires' houses, you know.
6: Uh,
5: yeah, yeah. Well we what you did. You could afford to buy a couple of millionaires' houses, couldn't you? No, no, yeah, no, yeah. We'd sooner them. it's cheaper. And we did a bit of water skiing. Well, sort of, anyway. Yeah, we had a great time. Did, you, did your wife enjoy it over there? Yeah, she loved it. Who oh, oh, who? Oh. don't tell him he's married. It's a secret. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry about that. I didn't mean to. What about the uh, taste of the fans over there did you find the uh-huh. same stuff you
3: never
5: yeah we expected them to be very different but they weren't at all
2: we expected them to be very different but they weren't at all that's Paul McCartney there, you hear, speaking like that. And Paul has got this sort of Liverpool accent going on quite a lot. Bearing in mind this is 1964, so, you know, you heard that kind of thing. Over there, Did you find the same stuff? You never been.
3: Yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the Yeah. Uh, we expected them to be very different, but, but they weren't at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the accent was the only thing, you know, was the only difference. Right? Lovely. Did, they reckon, did they reckon you sang in, a, in, an, in an English accent or American? No, some fella said how come because you're from britain and you're still singing american accent or something huh? yeah. yeah funny we've been trying to explain it to him that no, it's a liverpool american, accent you know but he, yeah. believe he kept it. it oh it's funny we, when, like, when came. you came back from france you told me that they like the sort of quicker numbers yeah and but what do you do you just do all the same routine as you do here yeah, uh, yeah. The records that are hit over there are mm-hmm. the ones that are hit over Oh yeah, over we had here. to do Please Please Me over there. And yeah. we haven't been doing that for a long time here, yeah. but it's in the charts. That's history here. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> What about the the Beatles' styles, all these wigs and suits and things? Are they catching on over Yeah, they're selling <laughs> well. <laughs> uh, I, hear, I hear anyway that the four of you are going to be millionaires by the end of the year. Oh, that's nice. Have you got time to actually spend this money? What money? <laughs> he said. Doesn't he give any to you? No, no. no, no. you seen that car of his. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. You're fine. What money? <laughs> One of the things you did was visit Clay. What- oh. All right, that's enough of that. Um, I think we're going to end with uh, just, I guess, some clips from this little documentary I found on YouTube. Um, here we go. I'm just trying to f- queue it up here. Uh, this was... Um, it's just, it just described as English 10, Scouse accent 2. So I'll just play you a few clips from here because there's this woman talking about Liverpool and about Liverpool accent and it's just quite nice. I just thought I'd end by giving you uh, a sample of just a normal uh, Scouse voice, not from a comedy sketch, not a footballer, just a normal woman uh, who's clearly got a, a Scouse accent.
8: I'm Jackie Downey and I'm proud to say I am a genuine Scouser even though I've lived away from the town a long time people have very funny definitions I think of what it is to be a Scouser and because I've lived away so long I'm sick of defending the city and going against what people's preconceptions of a Scouser is you know like the old days in the 80s when Harry Enfield did the Scouser sketch the shell suits, the perms calm down, calm down this is the life eh?
0: eh? eh? Hey, do you hey. want to fight or something?
8: Originally Liverpool is started off as an amazing worldwide seaport, didn't it? And it attracted all kinds of different nationalities all over the world. And from what I've gathered, even the word "Scouser" it comes from when there was a huge influx of Norwegian shipping into the port in the 18th and 19th centuries and the poor sailors used to make this sort of lobster or seafood stew called skauser or something like that or skaus and then that it came from that originally even the word skauser comes from a norwegian stew made by Scandinavian sailors it's quite interesting i think that one time in my life when i was about 11 I'm an only child, and my great-grandfather came to live with us. But I was also living with my grandparents and my mum and dad. So there were four generations of Scousers in the house. And even as a child, I could hear the differences. Like my grandparents, my grandfather was a real Irish Scouser. But he was from the Scotland Road area, and he was a singer and a comedian. And his dialect, and I've researched this as well because I'm interested in the Scouse dialect, it was more a mixture of Lancashire and Irish than it is now. And it's changed. it's changed dramatically, I think. And when we got into the 60s with all the free thinking and the drugs and everything, and young people got more of a voice, and I think they got more sort of aggressive as well. And now I think it's changed even further, We're a lot of like young people at like your age and younger have sort of got this slight aggressive tone, I think, to their voice sometimes. And um, a lot of the girl, you know, the force has all been dead into so the news, like... In 20 years' time, the dialect could well change again because with phonetics and when you'd study voice, it takes one or two generations, apparently, for a dialect to change if a new influx of people come into the city. So maybe that could happen.
0: I think, in my opinion, I think the language is going to become more homogenous. It's going to become um, less distinct uh, because I think with the, with the influence of media, especially global media, accents... I think right across this country, especially, I'm not an expert on it, like I say, but across this country, I think they're changing. Everything's just becoming a little bit more the same-ish. We've still got our varieties within the regions and stuff like that, but everything's just becoming a little bit more homogenised.
2: So that guy at the end thinks that accents are becoming more and more homogenised. I wonder. I wonder if that's true. I also wonder about accents in your countries uh as as ever um so a couple of questions at the end of this episode question number one is how do you feel now do you feel slightly more um familiar with the liverpool accent than you did before um and secondly what do you think of the liverpool accent i wonder if you like it or not there's a chance that you won't like it you'll be like i don't want it i don't like english that's all up there like that it's not always up there like that. Some some people speak down here like this, don't they? And it's not always as strong as you hear in you know the recordings I've played you in this episode. Sometimes people speak pretty much normal English, but with a slight Scouse accent on top of it, you know, like that. It can be great. It can be really charming, you know. Like for example, the Beatles. That's one of the things that about them that there was charming was this the way that they spoke, you know, and like the way Paul speaks, you know, it's it's great. He's got a, he's got his own way of speaking you know, like this, he'll be just telling a story about the Beatles, and something will just, uh, just come up in the story, you know, I think it was John, John's, that was very John, that sort of thing, you know, um, and um so what do you think of the liverpool accent and what about accents in your countries tell me about the diversity of different accents uh, that you can find where you're from uh and you know keep listening to the podcast we will move around the country we'll visit different areas we'll consider the different accents i'll give you a chance to listen to them as well thank you so much for listening all the way up to this point i'll speak to you again on the podcast soon but for now it's time to say goodbye bye 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 bye, bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.
3: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen,